0: You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. All right. Episode 108.
1: That's pretty awesome, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: I can hear it in your voice. (laughs) That's
1: pretty great, dude.
0: So yeah, thank you for tuning in to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast. My name is Andrew. With me as always, for now, is Corland. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Good morning. I don't morning. know if I had one listener who was like, I caught that little uh, thing that Cameron said last time. Did they? Because oh. you don't know that Corlin is actually resigning from, or stepping back from, whatever you want. He, he's <laughs> being dishonorably discharged. Is That's, that what we call it? <laughs> That's a military term? No. But he's stepping back from the pastoral apprentice role. So we announced that on Sunday, but we recorded last Thursday, and I don't know if you heard it, but it was like, with me as always, and then Cameron said very quietly for now. <laughs> but it was Tyler. Tyler was like, oh, "I yeah. heard that," and he and he, he knew because yep. of youth. But yep. he, he laughed. He's like, "I heard Cameron say." That. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! But Corland is. I've had two people ask, "Is Corland going to still be on the podcast?" So yet to be determined. Oh <laughs> yeah, we'll evaluate that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> at a later date. So <laughs> <laughs> of course we'll judge him by his next profession. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But Which, uh,
2: on that, it's funny. I. I I had coffee with an individual yesterday who was asking just after hearing about church and and your, your news. Like, I was reminded quickly of when I left Salvation Army yeah. to go work for the big bad government, and someone said like, "Oh, how do you feel about stepping out of the call of God on your life?" Right, and yeah, I'm like, I- I'm not, I'm not sure if I am. Like, I mean, yeah. there there's a, a pretty good case made by the Apostle Paul for you know mixing manual labor and the creation of revenue with the gospel, and yeah, how yeah. It's a pretty good model.
0: And there was a rumor that you were selling drugs on the side. Oh, yeah, there was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That was pretty good. I uh, think somehow that got back to me. And I don't remember from who, but it was like, oh, yeah, well, I heard that Cam's actually quitting because he sells just drugs. I'm <laughs> like, okay. It's, you know, it's so funny. We, oh, we talked about this. This is off yeah. topic, but it's important. It doesn't matter like how you announce things. Yep. It's like people just just won't believe the actual story. I remember when Don resigned because he was kind of burnt out and, man, I need to do something different and yeah. not in a good place. And yeah. we just kind of announced, yeah, Don's stepping back because he's kind of burnt out. And, and then it was like a bunch of people. What really happened? Yeah. I heard Andrew fired Don because there was a huge fight. And then and then Don preached a few months later to fill in and they were like, oh, are things okay with you and Andrew? He's like, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> what are you talking about? So it's just funny, like, so, no one's come to me yet with, like, what actually happened with Coral. And I'm like, exactly what we said. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he's selling drugs. Um, it's funny, though, because that, <laughs> that notion of
2: what actually happened is, uh, is how we see a lot of folks uh, approach Scripture. And uh, we'll talk, probably even touch on that a little bit today. You like that segue? Wow.
0: Wow. wow. That was we got to pay this guy more. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Half enough and still not
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, zero percent. a percent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um,
2: but it's funny because there's there's questions that come around scripture and the way it's written, and and sometimes the answer is, you know, found in in a parable or found in a, a yeah, in yeah. a in a teaching style that would be like, here's also how this could be applied. But then sometimes it could be a geographical fact or, or just a product of the way people have spoke at that time or written and it's like well wait a minute that can't be that simple it's the bible there's got to be a hidden truth there's got to be more
0: that's good great segue man uh we'll get to that question second so we have uh, a few questions sent in uh and then maybe if we have time at the end uh, uh clarifying something that was said in a previous podcast it was interesting one person said like as i listen uh, it's like I want to discuss like with with you being like yeah. just wait
1: wait wait what about
0: this or like whatever I'm like oh that's kind of cool so this person sent in a a question based on something they they heard from a a few podcasts ago but first question Matthew seven verse eight could you please talk about what this verse means and how we can apply it to today thank you so Matthew seven uh, I'll read verses seven like the whole context right this person all of Matthew <laughs> Buckle up <laughs> So Matthew 7 says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you And then this is verse eight for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened or which one of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So what does it mean when Matthew's saying, I guess this is Jesus teaching, ask, it'll be given, seek, you'll find, knock, it'll be open. Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, it will be opened. Do I just get whatever I want from God? Sounds like it sounds like, it. <laughs> I mean, the context is uh, asking God for things like mm. he says, you know, if you ask your, if your son asks for bread, you're not going to give him a rock. Um, and then if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more is your father in heaven going to give good things to those who ask? So the context is like prayer, asking God for things. But I don't know. Uh, this person's saying, like, how does it apply? Is it like it? Is it a? Is it a done deal? Like, okay, God, I I need a new vehicle. Bing! You asked. You knocked. Here you go. Or what do you think? How do you apply this properly? I guess. Hmm. Huh. hmm. I think
2: I was <clears throat> on that example you gave. It's. Uh, <clears throat> I've heard it said so many times because it's become this recipe or this. Uh, instruction list for uh, pulling on the the magical purse strings of f- f- heaven to to fulfill all of our needs and and when they're not met or for some reason <clears throat> your car does break down and it's not replaced with a new mm. one the denalius cordalyn used to uh, <laughs> reference then it's obviously <laughs> like oh well your request must not have matched god's will and then it becomes this weird kind of chase after well what would be god's will and it's actually framed in the context of Material possession rather than am I knocking, seeking, asking for the Lord's saving grace in my life? Am I knocking, seeking, asking for to experience forgiveness or to experience patience or to experience opportunity to serve? Or is it solely fixed on material possession and selfishness? And I think that yeah. far too often it's led that way. And then we're almost viewed as God telling everyone on that hillside, like, ask and you shall receive. <clears throat> But if you need dinner tonight, I can appreciate that you all don't have money to go and buy it, so we'll provide it for you. So it's kind of funny that those two in that sermon and then followed up, like, actually, we're going to provide all of your food, which is kind of funny, but
0: hmm. those folks I don't think asked and knocked and
2: yeah. asked for food.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I've seen it, like uh, like you said, uh, abused. Just ask and you'll receive. You, know, you talk about prosperity preachers, and yep. they'll often quote James 4 as well. You don't have because you don't ask. And look, Jesus said, ask, and you'll get it. Um I even remember Benny Hinn, uh, one of his it was one of those like little sermon clips, he says, I never pray for the Lord's will to be done. Because mm-hmm. like that's a prayer of unbelief. And I was like, wait a second, and then he unpacked it saying, like, you know, if I pray, God, I'm just asking that you take this cancer away, but your will be done. Well, you're actually you don't believe then that God will because you're just mm-hmm. letting it be his will. And I'm like, that is probably the worst exegesis of the Bible. I've ever, like Jesus commands us, pray yeah. your will be done. Yeah. No, nope, Don't do it. Cause then you don't, you're not believing by oh, faith. Boy. But then the, he quotes those kind of things. Like if you ask, you'll receive mm-hmm. and you're not asking, you're not believing for it. So I think there's like the problem with that is that there are elements of truth. We can go to God and ask when we need things. Right? So if mm-hmm. it's like, okay, God, my car did break down and I don't know what I'm going to do. And God's answer might be, hey, get a bus pass. Oh, okay. Hey, yeah uh, I asked and I received the answer for what I need. I don't need a brand new car or maybe it is. maybe mm-hmm. it is all of a sudden you get your tax return and you get you can go and you can afford to fix your car whatever, right yeah but the problem is is when it's like you have in your mind, uh, man, a brand new car would be really nice and I'm going to ask God for it. And then, oh, you didn't answer my prayer. No, maybe his prayer was like, you should walk for a little bit until you can afford to fix your car, right? Yeah. So we can, we can still ask God. And for me, the, when I read the part about like the knocking, seek and you'll find knock, you know, obviously I assume knocking on a door and the door will be opened, right? And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Uh, my mind immediately went to Luke 18 and the parable of the persistent widow And it's, again, a parable Mm -hmm. about prayer. And it's about this widow who goes to ask the judge for things. And the judge is like, you know, sends her away. But she keeps persistently going. And then finally the judge Mm -hmm. is like, okay, because you kept persisting. I'll give you what you want. And the whole parable is like, uh, will God not give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? So the idea of like knocking and asking and seeking it is... If you have something that you're like god I really need an answer to this then persist in it. So yeah, you can like you can have a uh a piece about like God's Mm -hmm. will is going to be done. Yeah. So like even for instance, when uh, we lost the one house we were going to move into and the bank took that house that was being sold. I thought you were going to use that as an example for why not to sue that Sunday where
2: you're like, yeah,
0: Yeah, (laughs) that Yeah. (laughs) That's a good, I was going to, but I'm like, people have heard this story. Maybe I need to like switch it up. But yes, we were told you should sue those owners because they screwed you out of a house. But like talking about prayer and asking, like we prayed, a lot for like, God, we need a place to live. Mm-hmm. We can't yeah. live in a one bedroom basement suite forever with yeah. our three kids. Like, And yet uh, it was still this kind of piece of like, well, we have a roof over our heads right now. So that's yeah. pretty good. Right. But it was like, God, every day almost it was like, OK, Lord, like help us find a place. And then we started looking at a few and it was like, OK, Lord, like what do we do? And so yeah. the persistence. Right. Yep. And then we found a place that works really mm-hmm great for us but there was also in the midst of asking it was like hey we're not homeless so that's okay <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i think in, in north america especially we have a weird view of what like provision looks like and provision for our needs looks like cuz i think oftentimes we get our needs mixed up with our wants or our desires totally uh, god is faithful to provide for our needs not our desires um yeah. Oftentimes, if you read scripture, man's desires, man's by man's, I mean, mankind, uh, our desires are sinful. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, there are times where God allows us to, to exercise those, those desires. Uh, but then there are other times where he gives what we need and it's actually better than what we could have ever imagined. Um, so yeah, I, I, for me, too, I, I keep being reminded with this passage of uh, how often in Scripture it says that we can ask for wisdom and God is faithful to give it to us. Yeah. Um, so I think that goes along the lines of like actual biblical, a biblical view of what God's provision looks like. Right. To to seek him and to seek his wisdom is great provision because in his wisdom, we're able to make good decisions. And decisions that are pleasing to him and (coughs) that will be not sinful against others and man isn't that the good life
2: Hmm. yeah i'm not sure how how easily that gets distorted because i think of paul's writing and paul's petition to his um established churches in the form of support and we don't i don't can't think off the top of my head a a parallel of paul praying for financial provision to God uh, emulating that Sermon on the Mount kind of formula for asking and receiving. If I recall, it's more so like communication through letters to the churches drumming up support for the missionary work. And I'm sure he did, but it's interesting that there's not this. And then I sat down and based on like Christ and the teachings, I understand that I'm going to pray that God provides me with the finances for this Mm. next trip. And it could have happened it's just interesting that i can't recall like a, t- a story or like yeah. a prescriptive yeah. parallel where it's like you can see now paul praying that prayer that the disciples uh were repeated in luke and and, and you know matthew wrote mm-hmm. about yeah that's just interesting yeah
0: and i like that you said that um oftentimes yeah our what we ask for is sinful because that's what james goes on to say right you don't have because you don't ask and if you stop there, you're like, oh, so I just have to ask for the Lamborghini or whatever. Yeah. And the very next verse is like you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, which yeah. every prosperity preacher I've ever heard always leaves that part out. Yeah. It's just like Paul said or um, James says, like you ask and you don't get what you want because you're asking sinfully. They
1: highlight that last part with a Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: So I think uh, Jesus' main point is like we have a father, right? A heavenly father who uh, who listens to us and we yeah. can approach him and ask for the things that we need and we can be pers- persistent, uh-huh. right? We can knock, we can ask, we can yeah. seek, but you can't just take that. There's like the rest of scripture that talks about like actually like just trusting the will of god yeah uh Persevering. A- asking for yeah. wisdom so again i'm using the example of a car but like you're praying oh my car broke down you could ask for wisdom god give me wisdom on what to do in this situation rather than give me a new car yeah It could maybe god's wisdom is like here's a really good mechanic that's not gonna like cheat you out of it and yeah. he'll he'll charge you a fair price and you can afford that oh thank you god for that wisdom in what to do right yeah. like yeah so I, I think that even, th- even like with a health related request, like sure. our
2: initial prayer is like, God, you know, we're praying for healing for this issue. And then it's like, well, God, we're praying for resilience and patience and, and peace during, uh, yeah, totally. during this journey of, you know, cancer, for example, and we're praying for, you know, longevity and for the gospel to be made known through our suffering. Yeah. And so it's almost like your prayer should, um, grow and change and and pivot based on your situation and ultimately yes we want fullness and healing but we have to appreciate that that could hold tension with scripture where we're taught about yeah. uh, rejoicing through suffering and and, and yeah. learning and growing through trials. So often our prayers stop just like that at let us not experience the trial. Yeah. yeah. Not like let us experience patience, the peace and patience throughout this trial. That's super difficult. Yeah. So we do fall short on, or
1: even to ask that we would understand the trial, right? Like it's uh, I think oftentimes we do fall to thinking that things that happen to us that we deem as bad as actually just being this horrendous atrocity. And I'm not trying to downplay things that are are horrendous, uh, but there is elements where, you know, if you look throughout scripture, there's evidence of horrible, horrible sins being committed against people. So the one that I always turn to with the youth is the passage where Joseph is, is in Egypt, one of the high ups in Egypt now Mm -hmm. uh, and his brothers come to him and he specifically says to them, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Mm -hmm. Like they, they essentially killed him by selling him into slavery. Yeah. And yet through God's will, that horrible act was able to be something that redeemed his whole family and saved his whole family. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so to look at your circumstances and it can feel huge, it can look really huge to us, but to remember that, you know, God's got things going on in the yeah. background that we would never even understand if he showed us. Yeah. So then to be confident in asking him for wisdom in that, I think is part of this provision mm-hmm. that, that is being yeah. talked about here. Right. Um, if anyone asks for a fish, would you give them a rock or is it the bread that cam would, (laughs) but, but I think that like to ask for wisdom, to ask for, for food from Yahweh and food in the sense of like trusting him and being able to see his good plan. Um, yeah. Will he disappoint? I don't think so. Yeah. Of course he's going to supply wisdom in that.
0: Yeah yeah so it's good i think it's the <clears throat> above all jesus is teaching us like we can actually approach god and ask him for the things that we need but yep. it's interesting like i heard a guy uh a pastor who was talking about like uh a sermon that he preached was about prayer and like you know this prayer hack that i did <laughs> and i saw way more of my prayers answered i and then he's like look i have a journal and i had that in in 2021 20, or whatever it was uh i got like a hundred answered prayers because of this prayer hack that I blah blah blah. And I'm like, that I don't think that's what Jesus is <laughs> teaching, that like we can hack the system. He's, he's like one like of those how-to basic yeah, channels where I he's like, here's five like, easy tips for the father. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm like, every single prayer that I've ever prayed has been answered by God. And but we assume that God must answer my prayers the way that I want them to be answered. Then it's an answered prayer. Yeah. Like when I have prayed for someone to be healed, and then they die, God answered my prayer. My prayer was like, I want this, and his answer was, no. So, answered prayer, but it's yeah. just not what I wanted. Yeah. So, I think it's wrong to view, like, God must answer all of my prayers the way that I want, or else they're unanswered. Yeah. It's like, no, God answers all of our prayers. God, mm-hmm. I really want that other house, and God will say, okay, let me answer your prayer. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> or, he'll say, I have something different for you, or... Not quite yet, right? Or yes. Or yes. Mm -hmm. So, but I think the whole point Jesus is saying is like, go, it's like my kids, when my kids come to me and say, oh, dad, can we, can we have ice cream for dessert after dinner? I'm going to answer them one of a few ways. Yes or no, or maybe tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but I'll answer them because I'm not going to ignore them. They're like, "Dad, dad, why isn't dad answering us? Dad, can we do this? And I'm just ignoring them. I think Je- that's Jesus' whole point. Like your Father in Heaven loves you and listens to you yeah. and wants to answer your prayers so you can trust him, right?
2: I feel like that's, um, yeah, we, we've we touched on kind of <laughs> like some core principle of that. If you dive a little deeper into um, just biblical hermene- hermeneutics based on this passage in that relation to Luke, I was uh, looking through a t- an old textbook the other day, and it was referencing, um, you know, the Holy Spirit, uh, and the good gifts or the good spirit that was given. And then, then the Greek language, uh, it was referencing the earliest complete commentary or, um, manuscript of Luke, uh, used Greek words that reference the good spirit rather than the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say in this, um, exogenical paper that, um, you know, it could have been heard a few different ways where like, you are <laughs> the Lord's going to promise the Holy Spirit as this gift, the giver of all wisdom, the giver of all knowledge of hmm. peace, the peacemaker, those the one that convicts the world of sin. So it's like Jesus making this promise. Yes. Ask. You will receive. I pro- like you are going to have the Holy Spirit for anyone that knocks and, and, and the door will be open for them. So it's just a, new, a different kind of perspective on. I don't think people were running around praying for extra bread and extra material for, you know, perfume and, and things that they could turn around and profit from individually. Like, I, I think that whole thought train of how can I receive personally or selfishly from this uh, hmm. goes along with what you're saying of, like, yeah, I think we might have missed the mark on what we're asking for sometimes. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, I think, too, if you look um – there is lots of evidence in scripture to suggest that provision is not, uh, in excess, 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 excess. More Uh, than you need. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, even the verses where it's like, consider the lilies, they twirl, not their spin. Like he's, he's comparing you to things where God provides what they need, the rain, the sunshine Mm -hmm. to be able to live their life and flourish in the way that they're meant to. And then eventually die. Uh, even I think it's Paul in one of his letters, um, I think it's Paul. I can't remember. Uh, says, I'm paraphrasing, but it's along the lines of like, if we have food to eat and clothes on our back, yeah. the Lord has provided. He doesn't even say that if you have a roof over your head that the Lord's provided. Now in North America, where we live in in Fort Saint John, yeah. BC, you you die without a roof over your head in the middle of winter, pretty <laughs> much guaranteed. So like, but the yeah. shelter is a roof. The shelter is a roof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff like that where you know if we have those things, we're provided for. Um, oftentimes in the old Testament from some, you guys can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but oftentimes in the old Testament riches, unless it's like a, a story of a father who has these riches and bestows the gift to his, his children, oftentimes someone's seeking riches and going in their own direction to try and find riches. Uh, God will allow that to happen, but often it's to their demise. I mean, look at King Solomon, uh, Yep, we're warned against gaining those kinds of things because they will pull us towards the worship of other gods. Yep, And what happens when Solomon pursues those very things? I mean, it's a prime example in uh, I think it's in the Pentateuch in the first five books. There's a warning about like and when you get a king, make sure that he doesn't have many horses. Make sure he doesn't have many wives from other nations. <clears throat> make sure and like lists a whole bunch of like things to say, hey, maybe look out for this. Don't let your king fall into this. And then Solomon goes and does each one of those things yep. and it destroys the nation of Israel. Yep. Right. So uh, to, to look for provision in the sense of material, that's with all of this to say, I don't think that if you're, if the Lord has blessed you and you have more than you need, I don't think that you have to sell everything you have and live in poverty and stuff. Maybe, maybe there's a reason to, but I don't think that it's a sin to be blessed by God, nope. but also to if you're asking for provision then to recognize that we can be content and it turns into one of those scenarios where well uh, yeah
0: if you read the new testament why does god bless people with riches so that they can actually give it away and be a, a conduit of god's grace to other people and and so yeah nowhere in the bible does it say or nowhere in the new testament does it say like it is a sin to be rich but there's just a bunch of warnings yeah like with richness with riches yeah. comes all of these temptations yeah. and so it's like give your money away help people who don't have what you have yeah. and the it's like this idea of like we we get from god so that we can give and then we get so that we can give and so we get yeah. it and it's yeah. so that we're generous people and we share with other brothers and sisters it's never meant to be like hoarding right yeah. our wealth so that's good All right. I think we uh, solved that one. So (laughs) on to question (laughs) solved that. Hopefully, it's helpful. Um, But we do have uh, question number two and from the same person. So that's cool. So with Easter coming, I wonder if you would discuss the timeline, uh, like the timeline of the passion narrative or whatever. Uh, I understand the Jews counted time differently, not only part of a day, but the Friday begins at sundown Thursday, uh, all that kind of thing. So many articles online debating which day, uh, was there a dual Sabbath? How could Jesus eat the Passover before the Pharisees did? Uh, this person says, I hear discussion about this online, like every year. What is the timeline of the events? So if you're not aware, let me just give you a brief, some of you listening are like, huh, what? (laughs) There's debate about the timeline. So like April 2nd coming up, that's when we celebrate Palm Sunday. And so Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus has his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It's the last week of his life. Um, And then Thursday uh, is the night that Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. Uh, Friday, so that would be April 7th this year. That's when we celebrate Good Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified. And then Saturday was their Sabbath because Sabbath was on Saturday. Friday, sundown till Saturday, sundown is Sabbath. Yep. And then Jesus is raised from the dead on Sunday. Um, so there's always questions like, okay, he's crucified on Friday. He's raised on Sunday. Like, How does and that's that That's like a day and a half. How does Jesus and the Bible say, like, I'll be raised in three days? So there's that question, like, what? Yeah. That's not three days. If he's crucified on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday would be three days, right? And then uh, Jesus has Passover with his disciples on Thursday night. And yet you read in John 18, the the uh, the priests and the religious leaders take Jesus to, to Pilate. And it says that uh, it was early morning. So this would be Friday morning. Yep. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So they're like, Wait a second. Jesus ate the Passover on Thursday. The Pharisees haven't eaten the Passover yet. Wouldn't they eat it on the same day? Like, yeah. So, there's that. I mean, those are really good questions. Yeah. Because then lots of people have said, skeptics, well, see, the Bible's not true because yeah. they can't even get their story straight. The crucifixion didn't happen because, look, it's not even the right days of the week. I don't know. Have you guys heard these arguments before? Or are you like, huh, what?
2: i've not heard that argument of course understanding the jewish calendar and even the way days are counted was something i remember reading early in like bible school kind of like 101 just on timeline and then appreciating that the roman calendar was a few hours different and so then perspectives were changed and as stories were written and it's um so many layers and one of them i remember kind of blowing my mind at first when looking into even how this was done is like looking at hebrew calendars and time and and dates and you know bible written and greek and then under roman oppression like there's a lot of political layers and even time and calendar layers and so i don't remember it being like a controversy i remember it being like wow it's kind of neat to figure out the fact that they don't start The first day is kind of like tomorrow, like we would do, Mm -hmm. you know, today's Thursday morning right now, March 23rd, and we would call tomorrow one. If we're counting, you know, how many days until we leave for Grand Prairie, well, we're leaving in three days where the Jews would actually, that would be four essentially because we'd count one as right now. There's no concept of zero. We're starting at a baseline, that zero being one, which... Explains one, it, it bumps everything forward one day as far as the Jewish calendar goes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, for me, it's it's once you know kind of, yeah, one, how they reckon time. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah, it actually makes sense. Yeah. Any part of a day was counted as the full day. So like if something happened, let's say Thursday night. Yeah. And then you counted Friday and then something happened Saturday morning, you would say that's three days. Yeah any part. And it, for us, we go, that's so stupid. That seems so dumb that it's yeah. not a full day, but that's how they reckoned time. So Jesus is buried on Friday. So that counts as a day. He was yep. buried for one day, Friday, two days, Saturday. He was raised on Sunday morning, but he was still in the grave Sunday morning. So three days, that, yep. that's how they reckon time. Yeah. Um, it's even interesting. Like uh, we just did the Galatians study, the weekend study conference. And as there's a few dates that that Paul mentions, you know, and then after 15 years, I did this and that. And then three years later, I did this. And scholars have to really wrestle because three years for a Jew could be December of the first year, one whole year and January of the next year. It could Mm -hmm. be 14 months. And they would say that's three years. And we go. Wait, that just doesn't make. But that's how they reckon time. Any yeah. any yeah. part of the time, yeah. it just included it counted the whole thing as that. So then people are going, wait, was Paul there for three, like thirty six months, three years? Or fourteen months.
2: That's how people write their resumes nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I worked
0: at this place for ten years, and you're like, "Wait, was it actually or what?" Yeah, yeah. the three That's year true. mark is good from twenty 2020 twenty to 2023. Yeah. Wait a minute, you were there less than a year now. Yeah, I worked there for two years, and by that I mean two months. <laughs> December of twenty
2: twenty one and that January. Of I'm just not gonna put the months. I'll just put the years. But you know what's so funny
0: is that I'm not even
2: joking in just the way we view time. Oh, like man. You can actually rationalize in someone's mind. I was there from 2020 to 2022. That's just the period of my life when I was at this workplace. It's like, well, wait a
0: minute. It was October 2020 yeah, yeah, to yeah. February. 2020. Or we do that when we're like, okay, I'll, I'll see you next year. And yeah. it's right. like two days later because yeah. it's the new year. But yeah, so that helps with the timeline of like Jesus' death and resurrection. He was killed Friday. And he was put in the tomb Friday, which would count as a full day, Saturday, Sunday. So in our Western mind, they're like, that's a day and a half at the most. But in the Jewish mindset, no, he spent three days in the tomb. Um, The other interesting question is the whole Passover thing. Jesus celebrates Passover with his disciples, the meal on Thursday. Um, And we know that Jesus perfectly kept the law, right? He fulfilled the law and yet you see in John there's this little comment that they you know these the chief priests and the religious leaders didn't go into Pilate's house so that they would not be defiled but could eat the passover and you go well that's friday isn't the passover on thursday you have to understand the passover is a week long celebration yeah it's not just yes there's the the meal that you eat mm-hmm. but it's all it's it's an entire week yeah and if you were unclean at any point that week, you couldn't participate in any of the other festivities mm. and yeah. meals that went on.
2: And that week was often called the Passion Passover Feast or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So it could be used to describe that one meal for a few hours or the entire, or the week. entire week. Yeah, And so that was common language. where.
0: So I have no you know, doubt that Caiaphas and the chief priests celebrated their Thursday night Passover meal. And yet they still don't want to go into Pilate's house because I don't want to be excluded from the rest of the week during passover so we yeah. just read that as like oh wait but they already celebrated passover no it yeah. was an entire week-long yep. celebration so um there's actually no discrepancy it makes sense that you go yep. oh yeah so they had the first meal on thursday and they don't want to miss out on the rest because they would if yeah. they if they yeah. went and had contact with the gentile yep. then sorry you're out for the rest of the feast
2: because the feast of First fruits came after, so they would have had to remain under the law and undefiled even after the Passover meal while waiting for the meal, feast of the first fruits. Right. So, yeah, that that is just a different way of viewing, you know, the music festivals all weekend. I'm only going on Saturday, but if you're going to the festival, yes, but I'm only going Saturday. Yeah, one yeah, act, but exactly. But it's spread over four days, so yeah. pretty
0: common. So, yeah, if you want to, like, break it down. So, yeah, Sunday, Jesus enters into Jerusalem on a donkey, right? The palm yeah. branches, everyone's having a great time. Uh, Thursday, he celebrates Passover with his disciples, perfectly fulfills the law. Yeah. Just like all the other Jews in Jerusalem would have done. Uh, then he's arrested. Friday morning, he's put on trial. He's crucified. And that's why the, the Jews are like, we got to get this body down because it's the Sabbath. Because right Friday yeah. night was the st- at sundown was the start of the Sabbath. Yeah. So then they take him down from the cross and they bury him. And then Sabbath is Saturday until sundown on Saturday. And yep. then Sunday morning, the women go to the tomb. Notice that they don't go on Saturday because it's Sabbath. They can't, you're not allowed to. Yeah. So they go Sunday morning with all the spices that they've prepared. And then the, you know, to, to yep. what's the word, anoint Jesus body. Yeah. Anoint or like, that's not the right word. A Anyways. Palm. And yeah, put these spices and, stuff on jesus body and then he's not there oh he's been raised from the dead so that's the timeline and you kind of go yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah. um it's just when we look at it from a western point of view or when you just read that and our understanding of passover is like i thought it was just one meal then oh there's all these discrepancies it's like no actually it's there's not it kind of fits together quite well
2: if i can read two quick paragraphs from um this was one of my it's not a go to, but it's a website I've used in the past. Um, it's called Agape Bible Study. It's actually a Catholic resource. Oh just putting it out there first. Gracious. Uh but this article is the f- Passover Feast and, and Christ's Passion.
0: Sorry, um, we're getting some feedback. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I'm just kidding.
2: We're gonna have another reformation. Um, <laughs> The Passover meal began immediately after sundown, which according to the Jewish calendar was at the beginning of the next day. But there was a feast offering on the 15th of Nisan, which is the month, the morning after the Passover supper at the temple in a service that began at what would be 9 a.m. And they would not have been able to attend uh, this required temple service, having been made ritually unclean in the presence of Gentiles. So again, they had the dinner, they had the feast the next day. The The important point here is that the gospel... Uh, of matthew mark and luke do agree with john's gospel account with this setting john's gospel also records that it was the sixth hour when jesus was taken to Pilate. this is 12 noon hebrew time which does not agree with the synoptic gospels but the sixth hour roman time is dawn if jesus is before Pilate in the sixth hour of roman time john's account is in agreement with the gospels yeah writing his gospel years after the event of the crucifixion in, a, in the third most important city in the Roman Empire and as bishop of a, of a largely Gentile Christian community, why would John use Hebrew time? Yeah, totally. So a yeah. very, very interesting point that if you align John's gospel with Roman time, it aligns with the synoptic yeah. gospels in their account using Hebrew time. It could be yeah. as simple as where John was geographically when he wrote and his letter. And it's
0: good because when we read yeah. the gospels, like these are ancient documents and that makes it makes no sense. Why did the Romans measure time differently? That'd be like you know, I go to Alberta and when they say noon, they mean, you know, nighttime and I go,
1: no, they just mean an hour ahead. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, get, <laughs> I get that.
0: But like the whole, how they, the language they used about, you know, it's the ninth hour and the Jews meant this and the Romans meant this. And so if you don't know kind of the ancient context, then yeah, you'll read John and John's way off. Mm-hmm. But when you know, you go, well, yeah, why wouldn't John use the Roman time? Cause yeah, he's, his audience that he's writing to, they would, not like, what? Hebrew time? What are you talking about? So yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's just cool how, uh, as you study the Bible, uh, kind of supposed glaring contradictions, you're like, oh, actually, there's, like, a really easy explanation to me. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so so there you go. We cracked the code. The <laughs> uh, <laughs> Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Um, we've got time. So let me just, we'll answer this. Uh, clarification from I can't remember what episode but we talked about judgment and uh, who will
1: be judged how will they be judged yeah
0: and it's based on Revelation uh, 20 21 the judgment seat where it's like oh and then books were open and then the book of life and and then uh, so this person says like you suggested that it wasn't about your deeds but rather your salvation deeds not making sense because it says that he remembers our sin no more But second Corinthians five, 10 seems to more strongly suggest that it is our deeds that are judged. I'm not hung up on the point, but just another one of those ideas that seem to have some tension regarding exactly what does it look like? So I think I remember that, that we were saying like, okay, our salvation, right? Are we judged, but is your salvation when you sit before the judgment seat, is it like based? on what you've done good or bad and then jesus says okay you know this is what you've done with your life now you you receive salvation uh i don't think so because we know that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone yeah uh, we're not we're not we're not saved by what we do but i totally agree that we are judged on what we do and you you're, mm. the judgment has to do with the rewards that you receive right when jesus says hey well done good yeah. and faithful servant or the degree of punishment that you have in hell. Hell, the experience of hell is not the same for everybody because even Jesus makes a few comments like oh it'll be more bearable for this city than that city because of how they responded. Like and I've had that oh so like Hitler gets the same punishment as my neighbor? No. Of course not, yeah. right? So I think even second Corinthians um 510 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. I don't think it's talking about salvation. It's not saying that yeah. like what do you receive? It's your reward, right? I don't know. Do you want throw thoughts in there as well? like, or
2: I think uh, another maybe a podcast series could be brewing on how we define hell apart from God and even how we define heaven in the sense yeah because I think that some of these some of these thoughts percolate in this idea well even for heaven of like leaving earth and going to this new Jerusalem where we have this ranking or caste system or like hierarchy (laughs) and then all (laughs) and then also the opposite being like yeah we go to these you know seven degrees of hell or whatever that looks like and so i think that maybe starting there in the future would be interesting because it kind of it may provide a foundation for like even a person's views on what that looks like because i think that i don't know we can miss
0: the mark a little bit if we if we're too wrapped up and yeah yeah. most i think okay let's do that we're gonna do a few podcasts about heaven and hell because i think most christians view of heaven and hell is actually based on like dante's writings yeah which is exactly what you're saying Mm. like or care bears Bears floating up in the clouds clouds. no oh (laughs) i was like i don't remember that episode (laughs) no you're gonna be judged Um, (laughs) but i think it's true we have uh we have this view of heaven and hell where it's You know, it's the caricature of, like, you fall down through the earth to this fiery pit, and then there's, like, people poking you with sticks and blah, 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 and so Mm -hmm. it'd be good. I think we should do that, but I think, uh, above all, I just wanted to clarify if this person was like, wait, are you saying, like, we're not judged at all? No, I think we are judged by what you do, that God will say, here's your reward. Well done. You did, you know, you Mm -hmm. you received the gospel, and you did something with it, Mm -hmm. and for the person that, did not believe in Jesus their, their eternity in, in he- hell is based on that, but still their punishment will be based on what they did. Yeah. Right. So it's like your entrance into where you're going to spend eternity is based on what you've done with Jesus. But your experience, I think maybe is based on what, what you've done. in yeah. this
1: life. I know this person was saying that she, she or he is not hung up on this and yeah. that's good. But I think if you are getting hung up on this, uh, I've I've tried to explain it in this way. If you're not like, if you're wrestling with this, just think for a moment, if by God's grace, none of our sin is ever presented before the throne. And we are because solely because of his grace, we are accepted in man. Think of the praise that can be given to God for that, that, that we would be set so far apart from that, that we would never touch that with our minds or, you know, never see the sorrow of that again. And we would just be welcomed in praise the Lord but also if we are to give an account for every deed good or bad and yet after the account cuz we know how sinful we are or or at least partially how we know how sinful we are and we are to give account for that and yet again because of Jesus we're welcomed in and said well done my good and faithful servant and those deeds are not counted against us praise the lord right like there's right i i think our our I think oftentimes the idea of giving an account for the deeds that are wrong, we get freaked out by that because of the shame that we carry with that. But Christ has set us free from sin mm. and from shame. So to give an account for that shouldn't be something that terrifies us because Christ has already paid for it and we can be confident in our salvation through mm. him, by grace, through faith. I so, wonder
2: if on the f- sorry, uh, if on the flip side of that, though, we can get into this pattern of unhelpful thinking that says okay well i just don't want to be in i just don't want to make it and that i think that would knock on a bit of our our human nature Hmm. which we see replicated in the way the disciples james and uh john approached jesus in the sense of who's going to sit at your right side it was almost a question of like well okay we're gonna be there but which of us will be like really there like which of us will be you know exalted almost and i really love jesus's response in that you know are you able to drink of the cup because are you able to share my suffering if you want to be yeah for sure he's like oh Uh, doesn't he say oh you will oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah essentially but i wonder man and we've joked off uh off camera but like the idea of sometimes we could just actually find peace and comfort in like okay the response of like I don't have to give a lot of weight to what will happen to me apart from Jesus if through my, you know, journey through sanctification, I am just being daily reminded that it's not a race to who's going to sit closest to Jesus Mm -hmm. or or like, and I get it pushes on our desire. Well, I just don't Mm want a 50% on the test to pass. I want to, you know, I want an A, so I want to do well. That's good motivation as long as it doesn't creep into workspace righteousness and it doesn't yeah. creep mm-hmm. into this idea of I must tick these boxes so that I can run this race well and good. Running it well and good is different than running it best because I think it, that's where we get into a, a, a slippery slope mm. of you know just trying to be better than or be something. We might see that for folks who are truly driven by a sincere <laughs> desire and a willingness to serve. like I've met super christians i i joke as defining them but they're actually just really mm. solid wonderful meaningful giving generous people mm-hmm. um, mm. so i think the caution would just be that if it, if you find yourself on either of these spectrums like oh my goodness am i doing enough mm. or oh my goodness am i you know striving or i want to be closest i don't know we see enough caution to to not make that the focal point of yeah. our desire to to live righteously
0: yeah yeah that's good All right, episode 108 in the books. And uh, if you do have uh, questions or things you want us to talk about or cover, you can always email or message us. And we will keep the podcast going with Corland, even though uh, (laughs) I'm not going to say anything mean. (laughs) 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 Um, And then, yeah, uh, I'm actually going on a sabbatical from May to August, but we've had a few talks about... How could we possibly keep the the podcast going? So there's not like four months of nothing. Yeah, because that's four hundred years of silence. That's not <laughs> fair <laughs> to the five of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're gonna like, live maybe I'll look. do a travel podcast. Hey, this is Andrew. I'm on week oh, we did. four of during sabbatical. COVID. We did Zoom. Uh, no i don't want to zoom you it'll just be me <laughs> oh that's yeah, right yeah, okay yeah. i don't want to talk to you guys I see. <laughs> living in my van hey man i'm in montana just down by the river uh, and <laughs> oh recording goodness. my thoughts uh, yeah no we're not gonna do that but we'll figure out something yeah but anyways i hope that's been helpful and we'll talk to you next week